Hello, I'm Jill Baker and would like to welcome you to Henson's series of Inquest podcasts with Liz Stokes and Elspeth Rose, who are both members of Henson's healthcare advisory team. Hello, Liz. Hello, Jill. And hello, Elspeth. Hello. Liz and Elspeth both cover inquests across the north of England and have significant experience in various coroner's courts. These inquests will take listeners through the journey of an inquest, giving helpful background and advice. We would love to hear from you with any comments you have or suggestions for particular areas you would like us to cover. If you do have any comments, just simply email me at j.baker at hempsons.co.uk. We're very excited actually about our um, our first podcast in the series and the topic that we're going to cover is just really giving um, an overview of inquests and looking at really what why why we actually have an inquest. Liz, I'd like you to start the discussion really um, looking at the purpose of an inquest. So, okay, well, let's, let's go back to basics. Let's think about what the actual point of the inquest is. So an, an inquest is a formal law proceeding and it's an, a, a fact-finding investigation into the death of an individual. And the point of the investigation is to determine the um, four questions of who, when, where, and how an individual came by their death. And the coroner also has to find out and determine um, the medical cause of death as well. So, as I say, it's an investigation of fact. It's non-adversarial, although I have to say there are times when it doesn't feel non-adversarial, but it's for the coroner to determine the cause and circumstances of a death. At the same time, however, it should be an opportunity for the family to be at the heart of an inquest and to try and understand further how their um, family member or um, loved one has died as well. So, so that's the general purpose of it and and that has varying different scope in terms of what questions are asked and what issues are considered. Um, There's also a a change in the number of people or the types of people that will be involved in that in terms of interested parties. Uh, Would you agree with that Elspeth? Yeah exactly Liz. So, um, So there's a term called interested parties which um, really means that it uh, is an individual or organisation who have some form of relationship with the deceased um, and have a right to be actively involved in the inquest proceedings. So when this was saying, explaining about families being the heart of the inquest process, and this is very much um, whenever I've spoken to coroners or gone to training, uh, they discuss this. This is, you know, hammered home with them. I don't know if you you found that as well, Liz, but it's hammered home that the the families are at the heart of the process, um, and that sort of coincides with the legislation in that um, family members are automatically granted what's called this interested party or interested person status, and. If you have this status, what it means is that you are formally involved in the proceedings. So you are provided um, with disclosure of all the documentary evidence that the coroner um, decides to circulate. You have an opportunity to um, ask questions of witnesses, um, give uh, make submissions to the coroner. Um, so you are very much um, involved in the process. Um, and like I said, family members, you know, children, grandparents, siblings, parents, um, civil partners, etc., are automatically interested persons. And then there may be others like NHS trusts or care homes 
um, that are also granted interested person status. So, um, Liz, what do you think? Well, what are the legal requirements for sort of an inquest um, and why one might come about in certain circumstances? Yeah, one of the questions that I think we, we've both had on a number of occasions is, is why are some deaths investigated at an inquest and why are and have a full hearing and why are some deaths not um, and the legal requirements are set out in the Coroners and Justice Act um, 2009 and, and this determines when an, in, an inquest investigation is required and these are um, set out as when an individual died a violent or unnatural death where the cause of death is unknown or where an individual died whilst in custody or state detention and then state detention means will include obviously when an individual dies in prison, but also when an individual dies whilst detained under the Mental Health Act. So that's the, that's the set reasons as to why an inquest is, her, is, is undertaken. Um, and there, then, there are also discretionary reasons as by the, the coroner and who might consider various further reasons for deaths that might have taken place in either a care home or in hospital. It's, there is a degree of discretion for the coroner to investigate those deaths, but they often occur in an episode of care immediately prior to death or where there's been a particular incident or um, concern raised by either the ho hospital or a trust or a care home or the family themselves who have issues around the, the potential causes or treatment of an individual before they died. Again, is that something that you agree with, Elspeth? Is that a yes, yeah. uh, absolutely. So, um, obviously, you know, there's concerns from the family that are raised um, that may um, cause the coroner, and like you say, they have discretion. So, it's sort of quite a low bar for them to decide to investigate if it's not one of those um, sort of triggering scenarios, like a sort of violent death, for instance, or state detention, but like you say, if there's there's concerns or at least um, involvement um, by sort of um, caring professionals, then it may be that the coroner just wants um, additional information to be able to ascertain uh, how they, they came about their death. So even if on the face of it, it might seem that someone has died purely of natural causes, it might actually be that there's slightly more um, involvement in sort of the matrix of um, events leading up to the death that um, gives rise to individuals and organisations being involved. And that's, that is where we come in, um, isn't it Liz, in terms of our involvement is to um, assist, support the witnesses and, and represent um, either individuals or organisations who have been granted that interested person status which I mentioned earlier and sort of facilitate the evidence gathering um the the presentation of evidence and sort of submissions and and questioning of witnesses um during those inquest proceedings um, yeah and that, I think I think we've both found that there's a huge variation in inquest as well are there there are some inquests which have a lot of um significant issues where there are clear concerns around what may or may not have happened before the death and require a full investigation and um, breaking down and taking apart the issues that are involved. But there are other times when um, a clear explanation of events is sufficient to either 
assure the coroner or assure the family that, um, that, that there, it was either a natural death or there was a, a clear um, pathway of the circumstances that led to death. So, you know, there is a broad, broad spectrum along um, to the extent that legal representation might be required or the issues or the complexity of inquest as well. And, and also that would obviously um, vary depending on the circumstances of each death and how many witnesses are called. Um, and, and and how have you found that has changed since COVID? I mean, I think you've had experience more of more remote hearings. Yeah, um, totally. So, I mean, there are some courts and it can vary in relation to sort of just logistically how they're set up in terms of um, how advanced they are, sort of technologically advanced, where um, I've still been required to attend and um, serve my witnesses and we've had to do all the social distancing and different other measures that are required. But on the whole, um, coroners are swiftly getting up to date um, with virtual hearings. So more and more um, the inquests that I'm um, representing, you know, organisations or individuals are via remote means and remote participation. And although the um, content and the scope and the purpose of the inquest remains the same, the duties of the coroner remain the same, um, the the style and presentation is actually very different and um, requires, you know, a, a different approach um, and slightly different preparation, I'd say. Um, and I suppose the benefit of our experience, um, Liz, I think, is the fact that we are there quite often from sort of the beginning right through to the end. So the beginning of witness preparation um, and collection of documentation right through to the conclusion of the inquest. So we're sort of there the whole way, aren't we, rather than um, swooping in at last minute, although we we do also swoop where needed. <laughs> we know to sweep, swoop where needed, yes. <laughs> um, but I think that's that's really sort of our involvement and it's stuff that we do day to day, isn't it, Liz? This is our sort of bread and butter. Um, so we we know this inside and out. Um, so we're quite excited about the podcast to be able to um, talk, talk more about, endlessly it. about Talk things, endlessly. Yeah. And at that point, I think we should let Jill step in to stop me. <laughs> yes. yes, I know the two of you will keep on talking. And actually, one of the reasons that we are doing a full sort of series is that we realised how many different topics actually sort of make up, if you like, the journey of an inquest. And, and, and we did think that actually separating those out would make it easier for our listeners to let you have it in sort of bite-sized chunks. Um, I mean, I hope our listeners also sort of realise that we're, we're very aware that, you know, inquests are a very difficult situation for, for all of those involved. And, you know, I hope that you found certainly this initial podcast helpful with the, um, the information that we could give you. And we're certainly hoping that there will be more sort of tailored advice as we look at particular topics as we move forward. Um, the next topic is looking actually at um, witness preparation and, and, you know, what actually happens when you get called as a witness. So, um, again, I hope that you all find that one particularly helpful. As far as getting in touch, then please do feel free to let me have any comments or if you have any questions for Liz and Elspeth or any particular suggestions of areas you would like to be included, then please email me at j.baker at hempsons.co.uk. Um, thanks, Liz, and thanks, Elspeth. Thank you.
Thank you very much and thanks everyone for listening.